Let's pray. Gracious and holy God, we ask that you continue to pour out your Holy Spirit upon us this day. Open our hearts and our minds so that we may hear your word proclaimed this day. Allow it to fill us with your grace and your love so that we may be agents of that grace and love to those around us each day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, these words from the Gospel of John that Pastor Jerry just read and also the words that I read um, from Simeon's uh, encounter with Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus remind us that this baby is no ordinary child. And the impact that he will have on the world is anything but ordinary. When my daughter was born, I must admit that for several weeks I was in this euphoric haze. I think God gives us this amazing feeling of joy and love at the beginning of a new child's life to help parents through those sleepless nights, those seemingly unending number of diapers uh, and the overwhelming feeling of responsibility that you have for this new life. Um, I don't know about all of you and that are parents that had a firstborn child, uh, but I remember when we got to our car and finally got our daughter, you know, strapped into the car seat. Uh, <laughs> Michelle and I both just sat there and looked at each other and were like, uh-oh. She's now in our care. <laughs> There's no one to ask questions of. There's no one to come to rescue us. Uh, she is now our responsibility. Um, and like most parents, my wife and I basked in the well wishes of others as they visited our newborn child. We heard all sorts of comments, but uh, nobody told us that our child was destined, destined for the falling and the rising of many or that she would be a sign that will be opposed, or that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce our own soul too. But that's exactly what Mary and Joseph were confronted with on the eighth day of Jesus' young life. Their euphoric haze was interrupted by this news. News that, yes, they probably should have anticipated because of their angelic dealings of uh, recent times. Uh, but this baby, they learned, would not only be a delight and a joy, but would also be a conflict both among people and within people. And this conflict is not just the conflict that they might have been able to anticipate, a, a religious conflict or a conflict with civil authority. But it is actually a conflict that's at a much more fundamental level. Romans 1, 18 to 20 uh, points out that all of us as humans, well, we know somewhere deep down inside uh, that we need God. We often seek to suppress that truth. And we do all kinds of things to try to suppress that truth and to deny this truth. Timothy Keller observes, all human beings seem to have a motor of self-justification deep in their hearts. We need to believe that we are competent to run our own lives and save ourselves. Anything that prevents that motor from functioning makes us very angry. 
and nothing is a bigger, bigger problem for this whole complex of repression and denial of our need for God than Jesus Christ himself. Everything about Christ's life says to us, you are not your own, you have been bought at a price. The problem is that no one really wants to hear that. And if you identify with Jesus, it won't be long before you realize that just like the Christ child, there will be ends that you are not welcomed into anymore. Well, sometimes followers of Christ create problems for themselves that cause them to be rejected or to be discounted in the world. And I sometimes shake my head when I hear the pronouncements of some so-called Christians on television that somehow always get a microphone put in front of their faces. Ugh. But what Simeon is trying to get us to understand here is there is actually an offensiveness to Jesus Christ himself. And in every time and every place, it will find expression. And anyone who identifies with him will seem, be seen as offensive too. The coming of Jesus into our lives and into our world does make us peacemakers. But it also brings conflict with those who do not recognize their opposition to the Savior comes from deep inside their own hearts and their belief that they can save themselves. This is the barrier that God has come to pierce with the sword and in coming down to be God with us in Jesus Christ. God wants this separation to no longer be uh, active in our world and in our lives. And we may be tempted, though, to leave this truth behind, this truth of Christ coming into the world to save us, to simply let it remain hidden in the rem remnants of twinkling lights and tinsel and carols and cookies in the busyness of parties and family gatherings or in the piles of gifts or uh, torn apart gift wrapping that our celebrations have left behind. But I hope today perhaps that you are here because somehow the message of God's grace and love for all of us and all of his creation has begun to pierce through the barriers that you have constructed around your heart and your life and that you do indeed desire peace that only Christ can give. It helps me uh, to know that this peace uh, that Christ offers by recognizing who Christ is. In 1 John 1 and 2, we encounter a powerful statement about Jesus revealed in the description of the nature of the proclamation of Jesus by the early church. The early followers of Jesus, this is how they spoke of Jesus. Some of these were witnesses to Christ. They knew Jesus. And this is how they spoke. They said, we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Now, this is an amazing statement because we are not just being told that Jesus has eternal life or even that he gives us eternal life. But rather, this verse says that Jesus is eternal life. He is salvation itself. To unite with Jesus by faith, to know him in love is to have this life. It is to know his salvation. And there is nothing more for you to achieve or nothing more for you to work to attain. The salvation and peace that we seek 
comes to us as a pure gift. And no matter how hard it is for us to accept, Christmas means that salvation is by grace. Now, while salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ is a foundational doctrine of the church, it's amazing how often I hear people challenging this fact. This happens largely, I think, because of our tendency as human beings to want to make our own rules. And the whole idea of doctrine, you know, talking about the church telling us and defining and describing uh, the teachings of the Christian faith, that makes some of us bristle because we, we think we can just figure this all out on our own. We somehow think that faith began with us. Even though faith has been passed down to us, it's not something that we have all on our own. This anti-doctrine crowd, if you will, often say something similar to this. I'm not really sure what I think about this whole Jesus thing. Especially Jesus coming into the world as a baby. Why on earth would God do that? I guess doctrines really don't matter anyway. What really matters is just living a good life. I'm sure you've all heard that last part. Uh, you know, that uh, seems to be what we think is the most high ideal of Christian virtue is that we live a good life. What people don't seem to recognize is that by saying that doctrine really doesn't matter, what matters is living a good life, that that in and of itself is a doctrine. It is what is called the doctrine of salvation by your own works rather than salvation by the grace of God. It assumes that you are not so bad that you would even need a savior and that you are not so weak that you can't pull yourself together and live as you should. You're actually espousing a whole set of doctrines right there about the nature of God, about humanity, and about sin. And the message of Christmas, however, is that all of those assumptions are wrong. Timothy Keller points out, you may believe that you can earn your right to heaven with God. Or you may reject religion altogether and believe you simply have the moral resources within you to live the life a human being ought to live. If you hold either position, however, your life will be characterized by fear and insecurity because you will never feel like you are uh, being quite good enough or it will be marked by pride and disdain for other people if you feel that you actually are being good enough or it will be marked by self-loathing self-loathing if you feel like you have failed. And in fact, you may feel yanked back and forth between all of these ways of thinking throughout your life. But the good news is that there's another possibility. You can believe in the truth of Christmas, that you are indeed saved by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ. You then can ident begin to identify uh, Excuse me, you can begin to get an identity that is humbled out of your pride, affirmed and loved out of your insecurity, and one that offers forgiveness and restoration when you fall. Now, I know some of you are still resistant to God's saving grace through Christ. You're also the same people that probably hate when somebody gets you a gift that you can't reciprocate right away, right? Oh, man, why did they get me a gift? Now I got to go get them a gift instead of just saying thank you for the gift. 
And then because you're thankful for the gift that you have received, it makes you want to give gifts to others. That's the nature of the gift of salvation that Christ gives to us. I know it's unsettling to think we may not be as good as we think we are or as self-sufficient as we think we are. And it is true that to experience God's peace in our world, we must first experience the inner conflict of repentance within ourselves. Repentance, however, is like an antiseptic. You know, you pour it onto a wound and it stings momentarily, but then eventually it heals. We may experience terrible inner turmoil when we turn away from our own self-righteousness to the grace of God revealed in Jesus Christ. Because it is hard to admit things we'd rather keep hidden. It's tough to acknowledge that we have weaknesses. But there is no way to enter into the peace which repentance brings without going through that pain first. But when we submit ourselves completely to God, we begin to recognize that all the walls that have separated us from God and from one another begin to fall away. Our fears and anxieties begin to be replaced with trust and with hope. We begin to recognize the amazing fact that God wanted to be in relationship with his creation so much that God became flesh and dwelt among us. God wanted to be in an intimate and loving communion with his children. And that is why the incarnation is so critical to us as Christians. That's why The fact that God has come as a baby, has come to be one of us, is so important. God indeed is with us. We find it hard to understand sometimes how the infinite could come down and be finite. How the extraordinary could become so ordinary. But this is at the heart of the Christmas message. Unimaginable greatness was packed into a manger. God is indeed with us. Yet the world then and the world now cannot comprehend his coming. You know, Jesus did not come into the civic arena, but came in a stable. He did not live in a palace, but was almost immediately sent to be a refugee. His guests were not the who's who of society, but were instead stinky old simple shepherds. You know, the world struggles to comprehend a God like Jesus. God didn't come conquering. Yet the world is no longer the same because of the ordinary birth of this Christ child. Christ has come in weakness and in smallness, not to save the proud, but to save those who admit they also are weak and small and need a savior. The Christian life begins not with high deeds and achievements, but with the most simple and ordinary act of asking. So, on this Sunday after Christmas, we may ask, Now what? Family's gone home. Our gifts are no longer under the tree. They're unwrapped. 
We may have taken it down. We may have put our lights away and packed up our boxes of stuff. Now what? Remember, the word has become flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory. Bask in Christ's never-ending grace. Be filled with the joy of knowing that you are immeasurably loved and be led by the Holy Spirit so you can be agents of love and grace offering these gifts to others. Thanks be to God for Christ the Savior. Amen.